Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and it's finally here. I've been reviewing versions of Alice in Wonderland since 2017, long before I even started podcasting, and somehow I have never actually gotten around to talking about Disney's Alice in Wonderland until today. Last week I released a podcast talking about the history of the Disney film, so if you missed that one, make sure to check it out, either before or after this episode. Either way is probably fine. This episode is focused more on the film itself, while the last episode was the history leading up to the creation of the film, and then the release and some surrounding things, including Disney Park stuff, conspiracy theories, and the wrath of Walt Disney towards his enemies, that kind of thing. It's a must-listen episode if you're into Disney and Alice history. But today we're talking about the film itself, and joining me for this discussion is my cousin Sarah and my friend Jenna, better known to the Alice fan community as Phantomwise. Sarah has been reviewing Alice versions with me since the beginning, and Jenna has been a vast source of inspiration and information since the beginning, long before I'd actually met her, and I only knew her as a blogger named Phantomwise. So when I knew we were finally going to be getting the Disney Alice in Wonderland, I knew that I had to have them both join me for this one. good animation i uh it's been a while since i watched it and i so when i watched it again i was like huh i, I forgot how good this is <laughs> it's it's funny because i'm always surprised like every time i come back to this i've always watched like a whole bunch of other alice's in between the last time i saw this one and i'm always mm. surprised at how great this one is because <laughs> i've watched a lot of bad alice's at this point which we just got done <laughs> we just got done spending over three hours watching and Alice it's one. That, uh, 85, the American one. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's not, <laughs> it's not a bad one per se, but it's long. <laughs> uh, uh, Sarah's we finally not did it. <laughs> After we got done watching and reviewing that, he came over to our house and I said, you know, go ahead and flip on the disney alice while i'm fixing supper because that way i don't have to pay full attention you know i've oh. seen it before it's been actually been a long time since i watched the whole thing and it was such a breath of fresh air <laughs> it wasn't three hours long it's colorful it's fun it's so colorful and and it's one of those eras in history that i find enjoyable so it's very much a nod to that time and oh oh my goodness after all of the bad alices that we have watched (laughs) to have one that doesn't drag out that that's fun yeah oh my goodness it was so nice and personally this movie um i would say does mean a lot to me it's what got me into alice in wonderland this is where it started Uh, i didn't like it as a kid i thought it was a weird movie as a kid um (laughs) But I, I watched it again as a preteen, and I was like, I like this movie. I'm going to read the book. And things happened. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. <laughs> a lot yeah. of things happened. <laughs> a lot of things happened. Here I am. So, um, though it's funny, because as I walked into other Alice's, I kind of wandered away from this one a bit. And I haven't yeah. watched it in a long time. Because at some point, you just, you've seen it so much, you go, yeah, I've seen that. I don't need to see it again. And the thing is, they... It's a good one. They took... They yes, they switched stuff around. Yes, they took liberties. But as I'm watching it, there's only so much I care. Usually, I nitpick over. Okay, this would have normally been in the other book, and they did this wrong. And I, they didn't need a song there. But with this one, it's like, go ahead, guys, just soothe my soul. <laughs> <laughs> 
like some uh, some relief lotion after you get a sunburn, that kind of stuff, yes, right? Yes, oh my Because <laughs> I, you know, also when I was getting, when I was doing my blog, I would get a lot of messages like, oh, the, the Disney Alice. And it's like, what are you guys stabbing your nose at? It's, it's pretty good. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's not quote unquote faithful, but um, we, <laughs> and we got burned. So I don't think you can complain about it being unfaithful anymore <laughs> it <And> has <laughs> so much to offer and i like the changes they make you know i don't agree with like every single one of them mm-hmm. um like i probably wouldn't have added in alice wanting to go home i probably wouldn't have done the tweedles but i i have a thing against the tweedles so that's just me <laughs> i wouldn't have emphasized the queen's rear end <laughs> I wouldn't have given her heart underpants. I think that was of the times too. Like, oh my goodness! Oh, that was under- very of the times. Underwear is so funny, haha! And it's like, no, no, that's what I. That's my main beef. <laughs> I think my my main beef probably is the is her whole "I want to go home" thing because that's not from the book. She's just kind of in for the adventure in the book, and I like that about her. So it is slightly annoying that once she gets to Wonderland, she's like, I don't like this anymore. But doesn't she yeah, have to get kind of lost in the wood before she starts feeling... Well, I think she does get frustrated before she, she that. She gets like progressively more annoyed with people, which I guess is understandable because <laughs> <laughs> the, the people bit, in, in the story that's are... That's kind of why I like the 1972 version of Yona Fullerton, because I feel like that Alice has... She has fun with what's going on, but also, she gets annoyed. Like she'll, she'll be like, "Okay, you've reached my limit. You're annoying now." Um, so I, I feel like that one has a good balance. But in this one, she doesn't really seem to be having any fun. So mm-hmm. it, it kind of just feels like she's being a downer. Mm-hmm. But I, and, but I do think another big part of that is the animators ended up focusing way more on the characters she's meeting rather than her. That's true. Yeah. So, like, I feel like, like, for instance, if you think about the Mad Tea Party, you're thinking more about, like, the Hatter and the Hare, and especially, like, the Hatter. You're not really thinking about, like, how she is in that scene. Yeah. I feel like they might have not focused on her enough, I guess, and that might be why the Tolji Wood scene stands out to a lot of people. But um, still, though, like, I like Catherine Beaumont. Yeah. I like her voice. I love her mannerisms because you know they they did live action reference. With yes, the voice and I could, I could tell that with a lot. There's there's so many moments in this movie where I noticed little movements, little facial expressions, and I knew that they were copying probably her specifically. Mm. They captured her personality very well. That's like my yeah. favorite thing about the animation is how well they captured her personality. That's cool. I would have loved. I, I wish they still had all the live action reference. I think they've only released like one clip of it that they've been able to quote unquote find. I'm I'm kind of doubtful that they've really lost most of it. It's got to be buried in the archives somewhere. Yeah, it's got to be somewhere, and I really doubt there's only one clip. If they could find the whole thing, they should put together a whole movie and make money. I would of love it. that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they did that and they released it in the theater, I'd definitely go see it. Yeah, <laughs> you should do it for some kind of anniversary. Or what? Put it on Disney Plus. Wait. Disney Plus is the perfect place for something like that. What year did this movie come out? Fifty-one, I believe. Fifty-one. So they could do it for like the seventy-fifth. I just remember that they just did like this uh, merch line on the Disney store. Maybe that was for the sixties. 
It probably was 70th? for the 70th. Because yeah. 70th would have been last year, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they just did a huge line. It was pretty good. I got some of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Um, Your own birthday see, present. Yeah, a birthday <laughs> present. I I have a lot of Allison birthday presents to myself. And a lot of it is Disney because it's, it's easily accessible and I get a discount. But, um, <laughs> you have connections. But, yeah, it's like, oh no, you're feeling my obsession. Um, but anyway, I, I think Catherine is wonderful. I love her expressions. I would totally just watch a live action version mm-hmm. of this movie. You don't even need to animate the Wonderland characters in. I'll, I'll just watch her. It's fine. So I love that they did that and they were able to like, animate her with that and you could tell that with the other characters as well like um in particular when jerry colonna he, he, he would do this waggling eyebrows thing and the march hair does that also another fact that the average person is probably not going to know so thank you for bringing that up <laughs> yeah. edwin he's the hatter in there in this by the way did you notice if he sounded a little strange in the movie doesn't he normally all right so here's some fun trivia uh and this kind of fits in because i was talking about the live action reference and um how they put in the actor's mannerisms edwin's was very much like the robin williams of his day so they got him into the studio and he just threw out the script and he's (laughs) like i'm gonna do a bunch of improv and um i wondered if a lot of that was improv it sounded like he was just kind of making stuff up as he went oh it was and he just um, went to town. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have loved to see that, especially probably his energy with Catherine and um, Jerry Colonna. But anyway, um, so he went to town and they're like, oh, this is great. We're going to keep all of this in the movie. So, all right, Edwin, uh, go into the recording studio and record the lines. And it was just falling flat because it didn't have the energy of improv in it anymore. Right? Now it's just recorded lines. Mm-hmm. He's not working with the props or I think Edwin does really well in costume with props and stuff. So when you take that all away, it yeah. just wasn't sounding good. So they went to Walt and they're like, what are we going to do? Like, uh, he was really great in the live action footage. So we wrote it all down, but he can't replicate it. And he's like, well, you have it on tape? And they're like, yeah. And he goes, use that audio then. They're like, but well. <laughs> It's not it's not professional movie quality audio. Like it's noisy, there's things going on in the background, other people talk and he's like, "Well, I'm figuring it out." And he- <laughs> <laughs> he's like so they, the, it's like the did. adult that came in to help the kids or something and like, "Well, play nice. I got to go do laundry now." <laughs> yeah. Walt did that a lot actually. He would just be like, "Figure it out." And and they would. So they they actually did figure it out, and they did a really good job. And you can't even tell. Yeah, I, I don't. I would have known. Yeah, if you listen to that scene, you can notice a slight difference in his audio quality compared to the other two. I probably will now, but before this, I would have. I would have had no idea. Yeah, so I would have loved. I would love to see that live action footage when he was improving and going nuts. I'm sure. It, I'm sure it was a lot of fun. It's got to still exist. They better release it at some point. Maybe yeah, they're saving please. it for the 75th anniversary. Please. I mean, we, we get more and more. You know, like, there's, like Rod Williams did a lot of improv for Aladdin, and they've only released, like, a tiny bit of it. Mm, that's true. I think they have, like, over two hours of improv material from him. 
So I. Oh I, my. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's even more improv material from Ed Wynn that didn't even make it into the film. So, um, <laughs> please find it. Um, this is the perfect use for Disney Plus. I've been saying this for other things, but like Disney Plus is the perfect way to release a lot of this behind the scenes stuff that we don't get to see. They need to do more extras. Yeah. They don't have enough extras. Like it's normally just the movie and a trailer. They're, they're making the like whole TV series and sometimes movie length episodes for behind the scenes of like the Mandalorian and the Marvel movies. They should go backwards and do some of the old stuff and do the same thing. Yeah, they have stuff that they released on the DVDs. They could just put that up. Yeah, that too. They don't want to do that because they want you to buy the DVDs. <laughs> um, well, I do have a DVD, but yeah, I want more. <laughs> that's how they. That's how they get us, though. Like they don't. They have this stuff. They know they have it, and they keep it in the vault so they can re-release bits of it. So mm-hmm. you'll get the next edition. Do you see the new bit? <laughs> that's how they it's get you. Diabolical. Yeah, it's it's diabolical. <laughs> So I guess we might as well talk about the Matt Tea Party while we're here. What do you guys think of uh, the Disney Matt Tea Party? I love the animation. It's very, very fun. It's it's like the best Mad Tea Party of any version. The way they animate the teapots, the way they do all the weird versions of pouring tea, like cracking an egg, like taking the pot and cracking it like an egg. All the sight gags. Snipping the stream of tea with his ears pouring the teacup and saucer out of the pot it's i love all that stuff half a cup if you don't mind the the mad tea party sometimes it's not mad enough in different versions and this is just like the animators went all out what i find interesting about the disney tea party is when you think about it when you really think about it in the book it's not that mad it's more like the topics of conversation are mad right mm-hmm. like these are crazy people having a tea party yeah and I feel like the adaptations up until Disney pretty much did that. Like, even the Bunyan LSD party isn't that mad. But then Disney was like, let's just make this crazy. We're going to have fireworks. <laughs> We're going to have a mallet in there. All these teapots are going to come alive. Because it's animation. Let's let's go full out. And I, I feel like every version since then has been trying to top them. Mm, yeah. The tea party is always where they try new things. And I like it a little mark disney has left on alice adaptations that i don't mind i like the tea party mm-hmm. i feel like animation is perfect for alice i would yeah it i was really just is. gonna say that there's so much in alice that other versions just can't do that well it would be so hard to do yeah but okay like one of my favorite things about this version is the, when she gets stuck in the house the way oh, that yeah. they the way that they like not film but like set that scene like having having her grow and her leg like shoots down the stairs and blasts the rabbit out the door i love that the with other versions i guess yeah it's more accurate that she just kind of gets stuck in the room but i love the fact that she like fills up the entire house and the way they animate her growing and her limbs flying out the windows and doors i love that by the way they did stuff Catherine in a tiny house (laughs) <laughs> there's there's a picture of that oh really so it looks very that's uncomfortable amazing. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that's something you just can't really capture in live action very yeah. well you'd have to really cgi it these days and so many older versions it's just kind of boring like she just kind of grows and she fills up an obviously green screen set mm. and also another one very 
animation focused one reason that this one stands above the others is the scene where she cries the river of tears because so many versions she just sort of is like crying a little bit there's a few tears falling in her face they make a puddle and then when she shrinks suddenly there's an ocean for no reason like you didn't see her crying enough but like with animation like in this version it's a lot more believable that she's crying this massive tsunami of tears and winding up floating away in her own tears it just works so much better in animation i love the idea that uh, when she shrinks she drops into the bottle too yeah that's one of the things that i really like about this scene that i'm sure it's unique to this version because i've never seen that in any other version oh yeah it's unique to this version i've never seen anybody replicate that mm-hmm. and then we have um Oh, let's. I, I should we go by story beats now? <laughs> we can. Going back to the rabbit hole a little bit. This rabbit hole, I think, is gorgeous. I would say mm-hmm. it's one of the best rabbit holes. I love the lighting in the scene. Yes, and I like the different things they have in the hole. Like I like how it gets dark and she turns on a light. This is probably one of the truest parts to the book. It probably is, yeah. It's not as long as in the book, but a lot more a lot more happens in this scene from the book than in a lot of versions. And it's, yeah. it is dreamlike. It's not scary. Mm-hmm. We just got done watching one with a lightning hole, so. <laughs> you got done with what? what? There oh, was the all this hole. lightning. Oh, right. Um, in, the, in, 80, in 85, right? Yeah, it wasn't about, oh, here's the marmalade. No, it's, no. <laughs> I love that you refer to it as the lightning hole. It's like... I mean, oh, it is. It is. I mean, if you were Alice, would you be running down the lightning hole after no. the anthropomorphic rabbit? But I also oh. wouldn't be chasing a clown rabbit, so... I... <laughs> so He looks like a clown! I, pro- I mean, maybe People who like... haven't watched the 85 movie are going to be so confused. And the ones who have would be like, that's my childhood, back off! <laughs> <laughs> I hate the 85 white rabbit but um ooh, anyway um, <laughs> he looks like a clown I hate him but anyway uh, so back to Disney <laughs> yeah sorry back to Disney so no, I thought my, that was probably more my fault than yours <laughs> yeah sorry uh, anyway this is a great rabbit hole I also find it very interesting in terms of like adaptations leading up to it, I don't know. I always find it very interesting that most adaptations do go with her like slowly floating down like this mm-hmm. instead of like actually falling. And it kind of dates back to like 1910. I don't know if Disney like purposely did it. I think they meant to copy the 1933 version in a way. But actually, I feel, I feel like about in it, the... a lot of the home elements are probably from 1933. But wouldn't you say like in the book, it's not a quick fall either? Like you have, I mean, maybe it's faster than I realize because stuff's going on in her head, but. I think there's a line about falling through to the center of the earth. Technically she is falling, but she feels like it's slowing. I mean, she feels like time is slow, you know, like. But yet they didn't belabor the scene, and I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of like the 86 BBC version, which was very book accurate, if I could recall, but it took a long time. Oh, but it what goes on. Anyway, so Disney Rabbit Hole, perfect, A+. Uh, doesn't go on too long, and it looks cool. I also like that she waves bye-bye to the cat. 
<laughs> and the cute. cat waves to her. Oh, the cat's beautiful, by the way. Dinah's beautiful cat. Yeah, I, I like Dinah. She's very obviously just an audience stand-in, so she's not talking to herself. But then at the same time, she ends up talking to herself anyway, so... <laughs> The Hall of Doors is very fun. Um, I don't know if you recognize this, but uh, when she opens the multiple doors in a row, that is actually like directly taken from the 1933 Alice. Okay. I was wondering if, because it's been a little while since I've read the book. We just watched the 85 version, and yeah. it was like, I, I don't think I said it in that podcast, but it was like door inception. <laughs> just like I opening was saying, door yeah, they door. got it from the Disney version. I was saying that I thought maybe that was all it was going to be, and then it transitioned into the Hall of Doors. So yeah, so it's one of those things where one version did it, and then other versions copied the the first time, yes. like a Wizard of Oz Ruby Slippers situation. That's kind of what interests me about adaptations over time is how mm-hmm. it ends up influencing each other. Yeah. What do you guys think about the doorknob? I like him. My biggest reason for liking him is that I think he makes the scenes flow a lot smoother than it would otherwise. Right. It True. since since this is more of a colorful, fast-paced Alice, he helps to lighten the scene and explain what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like we're so used to. Okay, she's just figuring this out herself, but. You would think I would complain because it's not in the book, but I was okay with it too. And I think that they ca- made his dialogue capture a Lewis Carroll-esque feel, especially like his wordplay, like impassable. True. Yeah, I didn't think of that. I also like that he basically swallows her to get her out, out the door. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just eat you. <laughs> it's a lot faster than the dialogue with the mouse. <laughs> That too, yeah. Which they could have done, but no, it was okay that they kept it moving. Do you like the dodo? I don't really like the dodo. The that's I guess that's one of my things that I I feel like they could have done a little bit better. The caucus race wasn't really the caucus race. I mean, it was a caucus race, but like they didn't have any of the fun dialogue. It was cute. Yeah, it was just a it was just a song. In some ways, I kind of like it better. Like I really like the idea that. They're just running around, and the tides come in constantly, so they're not getting any drier. I do really like that idea. It fits with the nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. That probably works a lot better for kids. That's true. I, for kids, I think the original caucus race would be boring and confusing, so I guess this so, is fine. Yeah. I just like the dry humor, which was missing from this version. All right, do we have anything else to say about the caucus race? It's not book accurate, but it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Next, and, and on to more adventures. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tweedles, I don't care for them. Meh. I'm pretty good with them. They're, They're fine. They're probably not my favorite Tweedles, but I don't have anything against them. And this is such I a massive... I will say I appreciate the movement, like they're bouncing and stuff, so they're at least fun to watch, like animation wines. Mm-hmm. This is one of those massive liberties because this is totally like it's not even the same book. It's, so we're like, okay, we want to put the Tweedles here instead of yeah. And, and because yet, of that, they've been in every Alice thing ever since because yeah, Disney that's... decided to put them in. But it works. Yeah, <laughs> I figured that Alice, this Alice, was probably the first one to do that because you pretty much always get Tweedledum and Tweedledee in yeah. most versions now. Yeah, I mean they were in. Uh, 1915 and 1933 as well but 
those were versions that also covered Looking Glass separately. Yeah. They weren't stories that were merged together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the first one that merged them in this way, though, where it's, because even in that merged version, they come in order. Like, they do the Wonderland events and then Looking Glass. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, it was it's actually like, we're going to put them in the middle of Wonderland. Mm-hmm. I don't care too much about the actual mixing, like, them doing that. I just, I don't like the Tweedles. And <laughs> do you not like them, period? Or just these Tweedles? Um, you know, I do like some Tweedles in adaptations. It really depends on how they're being done. These ones just don't speak to me. And I feel like they kind of grind the story to a halt, in my opinion, listen to the movie. Well, that's kind of true, because it's almost like they have a short film in the middle of the movie, because they go on to do The Walrus and the Carpenter. Yeah, I think that's that's my biggest issue, actually, probably, is I really don't like Walrus and the Carpenter. If you're going to give me a Tweedle thing, I probably would prefer the battle. Because mm-hmm. I feel like and there's some humor in that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you can't have both either. It's either the battle or the Walrus and the Carpenter. I will say Disney mercifully shortens the Walrus and the Carpenter to the best bits. So it doesn't drag on too long. And they also only chose one. They didn't do both the battle and the Walrus and the Carpenter. So mm-hmm. po- points to them. I just don't care for their Tweedles. They're cute characters to meet. <laughs> they they fit into that era of um, Irishmen in cartoons. I didn't think of it that way. You know? Mm-hmm. I don't think of it as a mean thing anyway. It's just, I think it's also a window into history of when, maybe not so much at that point, but in recent history, how you would have had a wave of Irish immigrants, probably a lot more people with Irish accents and just infusing that in, whether it needed to be that way or not. I never really even gave their accent a thought. (laughs) Yeah, I never really made the connection. That's interesting. Oh, I've contributed. Yeah. I think a lot of us as audience members, especially for older films, like that stuff like goes over in a way we're so used to it, we don't even think about it and it also I just, goes over. I think our it's head. so I think it's interesting. It is interesting. I like the was it the mom or the grandma who was wiser than <laughs> the <Jim>? mama oyster. <laughs> Alright, so happens after the trails. We get the white rabbit's house, right? Yep. Which we basically already discussed. Well, I would, did want to talk about Bill because Bill. I am? <laughs> Bill is. He is actually. He makes a cameo in The Great Mouse Detective. He does. But I also have my own theory that he inspired the lizard for Rescuers Down Under. I don't know this. This is just me thinking. But the, the lizard in Rescuers Down Under seems very Bill like to me. Maybe. Maybe it's been a while. It's uh, I didn't grow up with Rescuers Down Under, so uh, and it's been a while since I've That's seen it. My childhood, part of my childhood. I I have the tape, but then our VCR ain't it. Oh, no, <laughs> we never got a replacement because you know they did that in the vault thing. We also uh, our Little Mermaid tape was also eaten. Rest in peace. So I didn't grow up with Little Mermaid either. Tragedy. Tragedy. That's like know, it, the worst it, for VCRs. Like I always hated when VCRs yeah. did that. It was always like such a pain. Like you've got to like slowly try and pull it out so it doesn't rip. Especially like with Disney movies at the time, because they were doing the in the vault thing. So if if your tape got ruined, you couldn't buy a new one because they weren't selling it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I don't remember the lizard rescuers down under basically. 
Well, he was a frilled lizard, but I just feel like, I mean, especially his limbs, his mannerisms seemed very, I don't know, just, he was kind of like Bill. It's been a while since I've seen it, so I can't say for sure, but in my head, it's an inspiration. Well, they definitely had Bill on their mind because they did Great Mouse Detective a little bit before that, so. Yeah, yeah. I love Great Mouse Detective, by the way. That was creepy. <laughs> the, I was terrified of Radigan as a child. Re- forget Radigan, the bat. Upside down in the window coming to kidnap her. What about in the pram? Oh. What about, oh, you know what? The, the window bothered me more. I, I'd kind of forgotten about the pram. No, like, thankfully I didn't develop a phobia of baby carriages. <laughs> But I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that movie was to blame for me, like being a imagining monster in the dark window, and yeah. Not gonna lie, I'm glad I grew up with not Great Mouse Detective. I would take it over Little Mermaid. <laughs> oh, we still watched it. I just, it just scared me. <laughs> anyway, um, the Great Mouse Detective, underrated movie, uh, and yes, Bill is in it as a henchman for Radigan. It's awesome. Bill's supposed to be a good guy. So is it literally Bill or just a Bill ripoff? <laughs> Disney, actually, Disney is, they take they do take characters for previous films and then put them into newer ones, but they're not really meant to be, like, canonically there. Yeah, it, it's yeah, not like the same universe, like, Bill moved to London to work for Radigan. It's just, they just decided the that he models. had it in for little girls after he got kicked out of a <laughs> chimney. <laughs> Like, <laughs> well, with this one, he gets sneezed out, which is another thing I like about this scene. Hmm? With this version, I, he gets sneezed out, which is another version I like. Or another reason I like this version. She doesn't kick him out in this one. I kind of like that Alice kicks him, but I don't know. I, I like my little girl characters having some nasty in them, you know, like, <laughs> I'm going to kick you. Um, <laughs> but this, it wouldn't work to this one because of the way the house is designed. And I do really, really like how this house is designed. So I forget. Yeah, sneezing's fine. I like how her, her legs stick out. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I like about this scene more than other versions is the fact that it's not the rabbit's idea to burn his own house down. <laughs> 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 like it's the, the dodo wants to burn the house down. The rabbit freaks out about it. And that seems like a more natural reaction than like, oh, there's a monster in my house. I don't know how to get it out. Well, I guess we'll just burn the whole thing down. <laughs> so this can be like in the top five rabbit reactions along with the radio one. Like, Oh, guess we gotta burn the house down. <laughs> yeah. We loved that. Yeah, he's also, he's not very bossy in this one. I, I will say that's probably I don't care too much for the dodo in the Disney Alice, but um that is kind of a nice thing about having him in the scene mm-hmm. is that he escalates it and it's kind of more comedic in this way. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. is. Yeah. And then the way he's like, Well, gotta do it myself at the end. Like <laughs> You know, totally missing the point. So, I mean, uh, it works. You're, I approve. You're, you're right, though, and I don't know how much I thought about it. Like, with the rabbit, it's he's more of just a harried character. Mm-hmm. He's, he's trying to do his job, and he's totally stressed out because he has a horrible boss, and he's very logical. <laughs> I can't... I don't know what it is. I just don't feel very much for the Disney rabbit. I, I guess I wish he was cuter. I, I just don't want to hug him. Yeah, and, like the 31 version. <laughs> yeah, he's so cuddly. That's the worst rabbit. He might like to cuddle you. 
Right before he eats you. <laughs> I I do like my rabbits with a little bit, I don't, a little bit of spite. I guess I do kind of like them with that. So um, I like seventy two with Michael Crawford. Okay, he's my favorite one. Adventures in Wonderland too, which I don't know if you guys have seen, but the Disney TV show from the nineties. I only also, have vague memories from childhood. I don't remember much of the show. He's a very sense like sensitive character, but he's all he could be really sassy when he thinks somebody's stupid. So I don't know. I like my rabbits with a little bit of sass, even if that makes them even if it makes them a bit of a jerk. I like that. But anyway, I just I wish the Disney rabbit was cuter. You just like spunky characters that have some sarcasm in them or something. I guess so. Yeah, because I like when Alice kicks too. So <laughs> Yeah. You want I, the fighting spirit. Yeah, I, that's also my thing with Dorothy in the MGM movie. I hate that they took away her action to melt the witch. Because in the book, she's like, I don't like you. I'm going to throw water on you. And in the movie, it's an accident because she's just trying to help out. So don't take away my fighting spirit in these characters. I, I like them. Being... Yeah, and you just got done saying you wish that Tweedledum and Tweedledee had been fighting instead of reciting poems. <laughs> <laughs> oh no you're learning about, about yourself just relax <laughs> I'll get this out my like notebook <laughs> yeah I want, I want other people to fight and I just want to watch with popcorn I guess it's <laughs> <laughs> but in a, in a whimsical colorful way yes yes uh, I also I also really love the cookie design for the eat me cookies I like that they changed them to cookies instead of cakes. I, mm. I don't know. I'm here for it. Like, I know that's not faithful. I know that's not what Lewis Carroll was imagining. I don't care. I like the cookies. Good. Well, I also like that she eats a carrot instead of whatever rocks turn into cakes thrown into the house, too. I kind of like the pebbles turning into food, though. I don't know. It's, it feels very strange and dreamlike to me, so I do kind of like that. It depends on the version, but I liked that they did the carrot scene in this one. I thought it was funny when the she pulls up the rabbit and he thinks she's bitten his hand off. <laughs> There's some comedy in it. And actually that, that does make me uh, think about size changes in general in this version. They're mm-hmm. very, they're much more uh, as a, an old friend used to say, they're more, they're corrected. So they, they make a lot more sense. Like when you, sh- you shrink, when you yeah. drink something and you get bigger when you eat something, except in this case, the carrot made her shrink. So it's more like logical Mm-hmm. Like and she ha- has both the mushroom pieces in the trial scene, so that makes her grow big and then small instead of just growing big randomly. Mm-hmm. They they paid I, a lot more attention to the size. Like some versions yeah. have her walk from one scene where she's like human size, and then suddenly she's next to the caterpillar, and then suddenly she's going to the dungeon's house. And there's not really any super close attention paid to how big she was supposed to be also probably the beauty of animation is like what fits the best in this scene yeah and just draw that you don't have to yeah but i do kind of like the surrealness of consuming something and not knowing what's going to happen <laughs> um or even like just randomly growing bigger i don't know i i've had dreams where things just like change perspective where i'm just like i'm suddenly I don't know if I'd say I was ever like bigger while I was randomly dreaming a scene, but I, 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 I like change perspectives, change where I was in a room. Maybe I'm up higher, so I'm looking down on the scene. 
Was this before or after watching Alice Adaptations? <laughs> like, I want to live that in my dreams. Maybe. I, I don't know. I, uh, How I do you like feel before, about that, Jenna? Bring it to a therapy session. Um, anyway, I, I, I kind of like it being unexplained, but I, I see why people appreciate the attention to detail Disney has done with this. So, yeah, just an just a interesting note. That they keep it pretty consistently and they try to explain size changes. Mm-hmm. And instead of pebbles becoming food, she actually like sees the food and takes it. Well, I guess we can move on to the next scene from here because after she shrinks, she goes out and finds the talking flowers, which is another transplant from Through the Looking Glass. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, no, no pun was intended. It just happened. They also incorporate the interesting insects, too, which I liked, which you don't usually get. There's hardly any versions that have, like, the rocking horse fly. And they had the bread and butterflies, mm-hmm. which were very cute. Yes. There was also the caterpillar and a dog pillar. I think it makes more sense with the flowers than it does in the book, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a it's a good melding of the scenes. Well, since they're not yeah. having... Well, I guess they're sort of having a conversation slash singing about... Mm-hmm. Well, more, maybe more singing about it than anything. Yeah, it's part of the golden afternoon. And so it's just all fun and whimsical and 50s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do love talking flowers. And did anyone else think that the caterpillar looked like Figaro? <laughs> I... That did not cross my mind. If I looked at that it, didn't then cross I probably my mind agree. I thought it looked like Figaro. I, I would probably agree with you because they they drew their cats a certain way, like how the, the Dinah Dinah seems was very Figaro like too. Yeah, Figaro in the concept art, Dinah was basically Figaro, like pretty much a transplant from Pinocchio, and they they changed her coloring later. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's a very good likelihood that yeah, he's Figaro ish. They know how. They only know how to do one cat, but they do it well. <laughs> I think it's interesting that the rose kind of turns out to be the only really nice person to Alice in this version. Well, don't forget the bud. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> quiet bud. I think she's pretty. <laughs> quiet, quiet bud. bud. <laughs> but no, it's like they're so rude, but at the same time, it doesn't. The scene doesn't feel dragged out or oppressive. It's just. It's a fun scene. Mm-hmm. There's there's other versions where it's not very fun. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's not even that long of a scene usually, but um, I actually think the Disney version, you could actually argue it goes on longer than usual because of the song. Mm-hmm. But, um, this, but the but song is engaging. It's engaging. Yeah. And like the white rose, it's so of the times and it's so pretty. Yeah, it is pretty. And there's still... I also think it's a good it's a good mix of like pretty things and sight gags and like in, interesting things mm-hmm. like the rocking horse fly. You see the design for the flowers. You got like the little dog flower that barks at her at the end. You know, so there's it's whimsy there's being what on. it should be, charming. Yeah. So there's a lot of interest in the scene, and then we get conflict with it too, which is also good. And they're mean, so it's great. But not enough <laughs> to make you hate. Not enough to make you hate the flowers. Like I would go back and watch it again and enjoy it again. Yeah, I I like the flowers. A plus scene. I like it. I th- it, I think it's probably the best adaptation of the Living Garden. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I like the rose personally. 
the red rose because I also like how her leaves look like a crinoline skirt. Nice. Yeah. I like bud. Yes. <laughs> yes I love bud. But more recognition for bud. I need some merch, please. <laughs> Go to Japan. They probably have something. <laughs> Surprisingly, you'll be Googling no. after this. Yeah. Come on, Jan- Japan. Step up. There's this obscure character you could be making merch for. I think we'd include the mom. Just have Bud and the mom. Ah, uh, that's true. Well, anyway, yeah. Now, now I may have to look up Japanese Alice merch now. Okay. Please, please do <laughs> suffer with me. <laughs> what is the next scene after this? Caterpillar, Caterpillar. I believe. It's it's one of the things that I like about how they've merged the stories because it makes sense for her to be that size with the flowers before mm. she goes under the caterpillar. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I think it's a very well done scene too. I will say I probably don't care too much for the caterpillar's voice actor. I thought that little song with the vowels was cute. I'd forgotten about that. Oh yeah, yeah. I think the everything about the scene is pretty good. Um, I especially I especially like the smoke um, mm-hmm. the things he does. The smoke art. Yeah, and the who are you with the smoke, and even though they're kind of forcing the who part, but um, <laughs> I think it works really well. And I, I, I even love how you know A E I O U, and then he goes why because sometimes why you know like <laughs> why are you doing that? <laughs> what do you think about him turning to a butterfly? I like that. I wish more versions did it, even though it's. Pro- I don't think it's book accurate, but I like. It's that. not book accurate. I th- I thought it was a cool touch. Though they didn't include the your old father William, did they, or did they? Oh, they gave they that did to the Tweedles, Tweedles as Alice's walking oh, away. Oh, okay. As she was leaving, they started saying that one. You know, it's. I actually liked him yelling at her in the end. <laughs> I'm the mushroom. <laughs> yeah. And. The way they, you know, had him singing and his little oriental shoes or whatever. Like, it's oh, cute. Oh, I didn't it's even cute. think about what the shoes were. They are kind of like... They're... Middle Eastern oriental. They were going to give him a flower, like, umbrella parasol thing to, Why? to like, increase that vibe. Okay. Because parasols are a thing that associated with that. What, like with smoking the hookah or what? Yeah. So that you're shaded and comfortable while you're smoking? Yeah, hot country, I guess, when it, where it comes from. I don't know. I don't understand why people associate things with things. Well, that is... <laughs> a hookah is an Indian thing. My, I think that it was probably included in the book because of the whole Indian influence. Is like Great Britain was like taking over India at that point. Oh, yeah, there was a lot of influencing going on with, uh, with the Victorians and taking things from Indian culture. So but hookah isn't just in... India, it's also yeah, but I think that's probably why it was in this version. Okay, but why the shoes? Well, that's probably at least for this version, they probably were trying to make that connection even more clear. Because I remember, but I didn't even think think, of that. I think it was Rick Steves in Iran smoking hookah with a guy at an outside cafe or something. So it's not. I feel like we need a quick Google, just a quick Google to know where hookah. Is prevalent and originated. It's not as tangenty as probably Saturday, but <laughs> it, I just googled hookah and it brought me to a hookah bar in Omaha. I, it's in the old market. <laughs> I didn't know the old market had a hookah bar. <laughs> yeah, well, since we always take you there for your birthday, 
Now you got a place to go. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. If we needed a prop real quick for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just record here really quick? They might be understanding, especially if we showed up in costume. <laughs> at a at a slow time of the day. Yeah, yeah. What you got, Jonathan? It's talking mostly about India, and it says the widespread use of the Indian word hookah in the English language is a result of the colonization of British India. So you're basically spot on with that. Yeah. So at least the word. And it is in other countries too, but a lot of it's talking about India. Okay. Either Anyways. Way, they, either way, they made him an exotic little character. They didn't just have yes. him smoking a hookah. Yeah. It's a good caterpillar. I would rate him an A. Okay. I can't really think of another caterpillar I would prefer, to be honest. Um, I feel like most caterpillar scenes are pretty dull. Kind of, yeah. It can be. Well, yeah, I did it, really like the 85 version. That's yes, one of the few scenes did. in that that I really liked. With well, Sammy that's Davis Sammy Jr. Davis Jr. So, exploding and turning into yeah. old Father William. <laughs> and let's dance, Alice. Yeah. Your old Father William, the young man said that, like, yeah. That's Sammy Davis Jr., though. We can't all be Sammy Davis Jr. What is the, what is the next scene? Because, oh, is it like the Cheshire Cat? Because it's interesting yeah. that they left out Pig and Pepper out of this. And it's okay that they left out Pig and Pepper because it's so odd and child abuse and all that <laughs> it can be a fun scene but it's fine that they left it out of disney yeah to be honest i'm not a fan of the duchess scene oh it can be fun they were considering it there's an extra on the dvd like the 60s one where a dude played the duchess <laughs> oh yeah that was great I, I feel like when you go book accurate for the duchess it really it's hard to go through. I feel like it, re- it really slogs if you go book accurate. So I'm not a fan of the scene usually. Especially like if you have a crying baby. It's just, oh my gosh. I'm not a purist. People are always like, you're a purist. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm really not. Well, before the Cheshire Cat, there is there's the bird and serpent scene. Oh, yeah. Um, I hate the pigeon. You would think would get, which you think would get left out, but they did actually included but they didn't they didn't give her a weird neck though did they didn't they? really no, do it that's the one right. thing that it, that bothers me about it. i like that they included it because hardly any version ever includes the same it doesn't make sense but that she's called the a reason serpent. yes yeah the reason that she's called a serpent is because her neck has grown so much longer than the rest of her body that the bird just thinks she's a snake it also makes sense for the bird to be obnoxious but on the other hand the bird was obnoxious <laughs> so yeah, she gets on your nerves. I, I think I would have I would have actually probably forgiven the bird being obnoxious if they went all the way with the snake neck. Yeah, have maybe have because it's animation neck undulating a little bit. Or if something. anything, if you're <laughs> gonna ask me like what's the best way to do this scene, I would say animation. They didn't do it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. They had the opportunity, and they just uh, I guess they kind of exaggerated her neck a little bit, but I don't know why they didn't go all the way. Not enough that she was serpent-like. To make the point. That's kind of like how they handled all the um, transformations. They keep her proportions for the most part. Mm-hmm. There aren't very many that have her growing disproportionately. Which is a shame, like I think, because I, it's animation again. They could have done a lot of things with that, but they, they didn't. Mm-hmm. Maybe they thought it'd just be too much. I don't know. Maybe they just wanted her to look cute for the whole thing. <laughs> I get that's probably... I like the Cheshire Cat. Um, they do a lot of really cool things with him. I think Sterling Holloway 
is excellent because you know Sterling Holloway has that like mm-hmm. really sweet velvet voice. Well, it's a good. But he thing. can also be t- a tiny bit sinister if he wants. Yeah, he to be. his Cheshire Cat has an edge to it. I feel like I liked the Cheshire Cat less than I used to, and maybe part of that's just the way they designed the face. But Sterling Holloway has a really great voice, so I love his animation too. Uh, did you also know that Sterling Holloway was the frog footman in the 1933 Alice? Yes. I think we figured that out when we watched that one, but I don't remember. I don't think we talked about it because we weren't doing Wonderland Wednesday together at that point. I think I just made a short video. Mm. So I don't remember if I mentioned it, but we figured that out. And that was a really interesting thing because we're so used to him just being a voice. Yeah. But to have him in a live action thing. You can't even really hear his voice in it. He's just blocked by this ugly mask head thing. <laughs> so you don't even really hear that it's him. Mm. So I, I, he would have been pretty young. Yeah, he was pretty young, but he was actually in that costume. Sure. So it's uh, it's fun that he's been in two Alice's. Uh, I think he's def- he definitely enjoyed the cat more. Um, have you guys also seen um, when he and Catherine did the Fred Waring show um, in character? Yes, I think we did. Yeah. Didn't we? That sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, and it's she sounded like she sounded like it. she had laryngitis or yes, something. You remember? Yes, that's it. He's having a lot of fun in that, and she's was obligated to be there, and she's struggling probably. She's it was she still, tries she tried. Yeah, I'm guessing that she had a head cold, but yet was still scheduled to do it. Yeah, it was live TV, and they I they probably had something going on the next day. They weren't going to like reschedule it. So poor thing, but uh, she did pretty well. And, but uh, I mentioned it because Sterling Holloway does an excellent job and he doesn't even seem to care that he's in a silly costume. <laughs> <laughs> Some don't. Yeah, that's the mark of a true actor. It doesn't matter what I'm wearing. So he's uh, he's great. I love the visual things they do with the Cheshire Cat, too. Yes. They just... The spiraling away of his stripes. Yeah, they just... They go all out with all the stuff they could do with him and it really works so well because it's animation. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about like the drunk elephants or whatever, and it's like, well, yeah, you should, you can have fun with a Cheshire cat. If yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's also pink. I didn't think of the pink elephants in this scene. I thought of them in the card scene later on. Mm. I wasn't thinking about the pink elephants while we were watching. It's just coming to me now. But I mean, it's kind of the same like visual surrealness. It fits the character perfectly. I think this is like a top grade Cheshire cat. I also like that. You don't really know whether to trust him or not because he sounds kind of sweet, mm-hmm. but also there is an edge there, so you shouldn't trust him. And he later frames her. Yeah, <laughs> and not even because he's evil; just it's it's purely because he thinks he it's just funny. thinks it's fun. Yeah. So there's, uh, he's just a chaotic demon in this world, mm-hmm. and it's fun. He's a, he's like Loki, just an agent of chaos. Yeah, he's just like. We want to see her get really angry now? It's like, no. <laughs> no, I don't. Why would you do this? He's just having the time of his life. He's kind of the villain of the movie, really, when you think about it. As if, opposed to the queen? Yeah. I mean, the queen's just being manipulated by the Cheshire cat. Oh, is that what happened? <laughs> Come on. Like, uh, none of that would have happened if it wasn't for him. He's the well, real mastermind. 
Well, tell that to the three cards who got dragged away and they weren't saved in this version. True, that's true. <laughs> that's, that is the really funny thing. <laughs> I about think this they would say the is, queen is a villain. Yeah, they're supposed to be pardoned, but the think... Disney version never pardons them. You never, you never. And know. You, I don't think there's any explanation because usually they'll say, "Oh, nobody ever gets executed." Mm-hmm. They didn't say that in this. Yeah, one. they didn't. So for and, all we know, they're dead. And yet you don't feel sorry for them. I feel like this is probably... You just move. Yeah, you just move. Even though they have a fun song, you just... Whatever. You move on. I feel like that's probably where a lot of people get the idea that the cards do die from the Queen of Hearts. Like, they think she actually mm-hmm. does execute them because the Disney version never says they don't die. Mm-hmm. There you go, people. You heard it from us. Yeah. <laughs> I will, I will uh, say that the Burton version is kind of clever with that because they they kind of merged the two she does execute people but it's explained away because she executed her husband who is the one who pardoned people oh that's right so you kind of get both yeah uh, that's really dark it is uh, <laughs> i remember the moat yeah <laughs> yeah that's, that's where they explain it um that the king was executed which i think would go over a lot of people's heads but if if you're an Alice Bookner, no pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> uh, over their heads, like Alice jumps over the heads in the moat, man. You know, but um, <laughs> but yeah. So it's uh, but I def- it was definitely put in there for Alice nerds who were like, the Queen doesn't execute people. But anyway, going back to the Cheshire Cat, he's the real mastermind, the real villain. <laughs> but we treat him like he's not because we just like him too much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't have much else to say. He's grade A Cheshire Cat. I can't think of any improvements for him. And then the next is the tea party, which we've already discussed, so I don't know if you want to discuss anything more about we that. We talked about most of it. We didn't touch on the Unbirthday song, which... Iconic. As far as I know, the Unbirthday song is from this movie and only this movie. Yes. I feel like I've seen it in another version. I was like, they they ripped that off the Disney version. But the concept would be from the book, I believe. Yeah, the it's from the concept is from Humpty Dumpty and Through the Looking Glass, which. Oh, that's right. Yeah, which okay. is good because I don't think anybody really likes Humpty Dumpty. Um, <laughs> I I would be surprised. So they took it and made it charming. Yeah, and they. They gave the reason for the tea party, which, um, you know, some people might say that's unneeded, but I think it adds a layer of fun to it. Like, they could have gone, they could have given the explanation of, you know, from the book, but this is probably a lot more fun for kids to watch Mm -hmm. instead of his, him being trapped in time. Hatter does end up killing time still, so it's, I'm still in there. (laughs) So, I mean, I do like the whole tea party being trapped in a time loop kind of thing. But I, I do think the unbirthday party works. It works. I, I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. I love Edwin. He's one of the best hatters. He is. I'll agree on that. And the dormouse is cute. Yeah. Jerry Colonna as the March Hare doesn't get enough appreciation. I think he got a little overshadowed by Edwin here, especially since they threw out the script. <laughs> Probably. Or his improv. So mm-hmm. Jerry just was kind of stuck like going off of him mm. that's probably why i would have liked to see the live action reference because i feel like they probably had a good chemistry on set yeah next scene would be told you would this is where the animators just kind of made up everything <laughs> yeah we did kind of already touch on this too yeah but wasn't that dog in the book somewhere am i making that up oh there is a giant puppy well no i mean the random 
Maybe I'm making that up. Maybe I just want that to be in the book subconsciously. The, sweep, the, the sweeping I, dog? I don't remember it. Yes. Nah, that, that's not Either the way, the, the creatures here can be really fun, like the mom and the babies, and you love the hammer birds. Yes, the hammer birds are adorable, and I want one. <laughs> <laughs> the mom rafts. Those are cute. They look like something out of the Muppets. Uh, by the way, the mirror bird, you can buy that in Japan. Of course. Of course. Nice. Yeah, get yourself a vanity mirror bird. Nice. Um, so I don't it, know how I feel about that, but that's kind of cool. It is cool. <laughs> so uh, there, there's a lot of like good character design in this scene. Yes. There's a lot of cuteness. I probably would have... I, like, I, li- I like this part of the scene, like the characters. I just don't care for the song. Like that part, I'm like, eh. So you can enjoy the cuteness, but you'd rather leave the song. Yeah, pretty much. Also, she makes them cry into nothing, so. <laughs> well. She kills them with sadness. I don't know how real they were to begin with, so. <laughs> 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 the crescent moon turning to Cheshire Cat smile is pretty cool, though. Also, I like how they did the door. Because you know mm-hmm. how there is normally a door in the wood, but the fact that they had him pull a lever yeah. and it opens downward. Yeah, instead of like a door I like, door. I liked that touch. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go on a mini tangent rant about Jim Cummings' modern impersonation of Sterling Holloway's characters. Because he does, he does like Ka for Jungle Book, he does Cheshire Cat, and he mm-hmm. does Winnie the Pooh. But he does them all the same. Like, it's literally just a Sterling Holloway impression. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. Sterling, like, did different things for these characters. When he does the Cheshire Cat for modern things, it just sounds like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Whereas Sterling... I don't think I've heard Jim Cummings do the Cheshire Cat. What did he do the Cheshire Cat in? Um, He does, like, he fills in for if they want it. Uh, like, for instance, he did the um, Odd song extra. He's done a couple commercials, I think. Basically, whenever they mm-hmm. just want a character voice, they have like standbys to come in. Mm-hmm. How old is he? How old is Jim Cummings? I don't know. Okay. I would guess 60s. Probably. Okay. He mostly does Winnie the Pooh, though. That's what they mostly have him do. He do, he does a lot. He does like, a lot. He's really prolific. Yeah. Like he he does a bunch for Star Wars now too. Oh yeah. He actually does one of my favorite modern Star Wars characters, Hondo the pirate. He's hilarious. If you like Star Wars and you think uh, he's fun, he did a table read with uh, of Star Wars, the Star Wars script with Winnie the Pooh as Darth Vader. I think I've, I think I saw like a clip. I didn't, I don't think I've seen a whole thing, but I think I've seen a clip where somebody like animated something. Right. It's from a convention. It's a panel. I highly recommend. He, he, he ad libs with Pooh's lines in it. So like, if, Someone comes. If there ever was, yeah. if there ever was a rabbit trail, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> like, All of a sudden, we have Winnie the Pooh, Darth Vader from the 1950s. Alex. Yeah. So if you get like a, he gets like bad news or something, and he just, oh bother. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds adorable. Yeah. Um, so I recommend that, but I'm just pointing out that he kind of he misses that the Cheshire Cat has an edge to it. Um, so we're on to the Painting the Roses Red, which is a great song. Sure, mm-hmm. um, it's one of the iconic songs of the movie. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and 
Uh, you ever notice that they splatter paint everywhere, but it, it never, like, she never has a bloody Pinnaford? I thought that as I was watching it the other night. I was like, they're splashing so much paint and none of it's sticking around. It's all disappearing. It's the beauty of animation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of like the explosion that doesn't kill anybody. <laughs> Everybody gets on American Mickey's Alice for having blood on her apron. She was just painting the roses, guys. That's all. <laughs> uh, once you transition into the cards and just the lighting is interesting and it's just so colorful that I think it's kind of unique to Disney just the the high contrast in color along with the, mm-hmm. the dark color but with the bright colors and the formation. I think that's why it reminded me of the pink elephant scene oh I should mention Mary Blair yeah we have to talk about Mary Blair yeah it, and I, I feel like she does even though she is a very popular artist I think she needs to be recognized even more because like when you think about it Disney Studios was a very masculine power like is mostly males only males mm-hmm. could be animators but mm-hmm. all their style was dictated by a woman and that's pretty cool for the time i think yeah. did you ever see our episode or episodes talking about the south american trip yes. and yeah and mary blair i i keep every once in a while i think about the art that she did in one of those where it was i think it was kind of a jungle i feel like there was a train the and train the, yeah, yeah. And flowers and just that dark background and it's so cool i would i would love to see that again i think that was concept art for one of the three caballeros films i want to say that that one was in saludos amigos i think, I that think was the Brazil so. sequence yeah i wouldn't be surprised but yeah um her alice concept art it's a lot of really dark backgrounds and then pops of color. Mm-hmm. So that's, Which, that's definitely what's going I on. I mean, here. it helps to make this film unique and it also helps to make it fun. Mm-hmm. It like does. with yeah. the, with the flamingos and the hedgehogs, I just, I love how colorful they are and that they made them different colors. <laughs> it's a, it's very distinct. It's a distinct style too. Like if anybody, mm-hmm. And there have been animated Alice's after this, not to the scale, but if anybody did make a really another full, like, real, like, animated movie, the style wouldn't be like Disney's, just because of how the art is. And mm-hmm. I really love Mary Blair's touch on this. And I really like how much they did with the cards, because they didn't just have them show up. They had them, you know... Shuffles and... Yeah. Cards. And they were actual just cards. all the different formations that they did with them... They use animation to their benefit with the cards. Right, mm-hmm. and it's fun. Yeah. I would say this. Uh, these are probably the best cards. Well, besides uh, the Spankmeyer stop motion where it's actually cards, those are cool too. <laughs> yeah. um, but I would say these are some of the top cards. Definitely. So, good Flamingos, though. I also do like the 1999 Flamingos. But because it's animation, like they're able to actually do stuff with the Flamingos and yeah, you got the one who's like making the fool out of Alice, which is great. <laughs> I love her facial expressions in that. Yeah, scene. you know we were talking about her being not having enough fun, but in this one, I do kind of enjoy her spunk in that one because she's just like done with this flamingo. Mm-hmm. She's yes. just like, I'm gonna choke, you. I'm gonna kill you when you're <laughs> when they're not looking, you know. <laughs> uh, and the hedgehogs are cute too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the croquet itself is like really fun. Because it's animation, so you have all these things going mm. on with the cards. Shout out to the king. Yeah. Hooray! 
<laughs> who really wanted to be recognized. Anna King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. He's pretty cute on this one. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, he does take a big back seat to the queen, but I, I kind of like it, to be honest. It, he's... He's actually pretty fun because the fact that they decided to make him so little with that little <laughs> meek voice, because he usually is kind of a slow or meek character. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the way they emphasize that with his whole design and voice and everything. I also he, like how he's almost like a, her little pet. Yeah. And she like pets his head at one yeah, point. Yeah, pats him on the head. Like, <laughs> good little king. It also, you know, it's their, their relationship is interesting because... Um, you think that maybe she just married him, ignores him, but she does listen to him when he asks for a trial. Mm-hmm. They genuinely seem to like each other. Yeah. yeah. Oddly enough. <laughs> yeah. So it's opposites about- attract. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's a cute relationship. The queen is wonderful. I. Oh, did you know this is the s- same voice actress were the fairy godmother in Cinderella? Yes, Verna Felton. Yeah, her. isn't that amazing? Yes. She sounded so nice, and then she sounds like, <laughs> you know, it's great to have that kind of range. One of my favorite pieces of trivia about her, I've probably said this in other podcasts, but I love that her first role for Disney was one of the elephants in Dumbo, mm. and her last role for Disney was one of the elephants in a Jungle Book. <laughs> <laughs> she was she liked elephants, what can we say, man? That was, <laughs> Queen is kind of a huge character, too. In more ways than one. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really enjoy how she's like larger than life. She's a villain, but she's not like full on a villain either. If you know what I mean? Like she's not like, she doesn't yeah. have like villainous schemes. Yeah. She just wants her own way. Yeah. She's just like a an overgrown head. Yeah. An overgrown brat, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and very easily manipulated into getting angrier, which I, I can see why the cat likes to make her angry because he can run away. <laughs> and, and it probably is very funny to watch. Anyway, so I, I really like her, and I, I like the chemistry between her and Catherine as well, in a way, because mm-hmm. they do kind of have a chemistry when she, when she is even-tempered, and then suddenly it's Alice doesn't know where she stands. She's a, a volcano. <laughs> so I, I like it. Um, maybe it's over the top to some people. I mean, the queen has to be over the top. Like, that's the whole point of her character. You've got to be well, over the she's top not, queen. She's not as over the top in the book, which is fair. But, I mean, it's fun. So, let's do it, you know? <laughs> I don't know how much I thought about it, but it's okay that they left out the mock turtle and the griffin and everything out of this. Not that they couldn't have made a whole song and dance out of that and made it very comfortable, but... I mean, I very, think they made were very planning com- on colorful, using them at some point. Because they were. There's, I've seen art of them, and the mock turtle is adorable like it would have been the best mock turtle design from any version and yet here we are <laughs> they actually used him in a jello disney did commercials with alice and they used him in a jello commercial for alice <laughs> so okay yeah, i know what it's flavor? random um i don't know if there is a flavor turtle flavor <laughs> they just, they just talk about jello <laughs> like that would be fitting for the 50s if they had mock turtle flavored jello <laughs> For the home cook i don't think they did <laughs> we could make it a thing but anyway I, uh, i'm not too bothered by them skipping the mock turtle and the griffin i think i feel like it's a very hit and miss duo yeah it depends on it depends on how it's done yeah some versions are not good yeah it's sometimes they could really drag on 
So I kind of, I respect what Disney's doing here where they're like, you know, actually, uh, let's just go to the trial scene. I think it's better story-wise, um, especially because, and I like this change. A lot of people will probably be like, what the heck, Jenna? But I like that Alice <laughs> is on trial. I feel uh-huh. like it involves her more in the story yes. instead of just being a witness. So I really like it, actually. Mm-hmm. There's more on the line. Like, I'm I'm all for book-accurate versions, but I like I like a lot of the changes they did, and I like this change, too. It worked. Yeah. yeah. And I, I feel like there's a there's a really good reason why other versions ended up copying Disney's idea with this. It's it's a good it's a good story idea for a movie if she's on trial. Mm-hmm. So since she's on trial, it makes sense to skip the mock turtle and the Griffin. Mm-hmm. That's actually part of why I, I think that's why David Hall ended up moving them earlier in his story treatment because he was the one who came up with in his story treatment she was on trial and she was going to be beheaded in the guillotine. So it made sense Which to move version? them. That's the 1939 it version. That yeah, that didn't get made. Uh, it's grotesque. Walt didn't like it. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So she meets them on the beach when she washes up instead. So anyway, I think it was fine to skip them. Yeah. No, it's fine. Yeah. And that I think the trial's a lot of fun. It's good. I think it's well paced. The March Hare gets a little bit more to do. Yeah, he does. Uh, Edwin did not really get to throw out the script in this part, so it's. <laughs> Because it did have to be more scripted. Mm-hmm. But it's still suitably crazy. I like that they bring the Mad Tea Party participants as witnesses because they mm-hmm. weren't—they definitely weren't there. And I like that she whispers for the Dormouse and then yells immediately afterwards. <laughs> yes. Yes, I like that too. Well, I like how she's like, what's your evidence? And it goes twinkle, twinkle. That's very important. Write that down. You know? <laughs> yes, it's not accurate to the book again, but I feel like they took a lot of the great parts from the book and well mix them together pretty well i don't for the most part i'd say i don't care about the liberties that they took i really don't a lot a lot of people do they made it work Mm -hmm. i think it works i I think it's all right this is my controversial opinion i think it has the spirit of the books so yes that that's what i've said all along it's it may not be book accurate, but it really captures the spirit of the books. There's also a lot to be said for keeping a story moving. Yes. Yes. I, like, I, I like to think sometimes while I'm watching adaptations, how would Lewis Carroll, like, think of this? And while I do think he would, he'd probably think it was obnoxiously American. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, would, he would probably think that. But uh, I think he would appreciate some of the changes from a story viewpoint. Mm-hmm. But, you know... Maybe I just think you would like what I like, and I, I like this one. So, <laughs> when did he die? Lewis Carroll, eighteen ninety-eight. So he would have been amazed. He might have been annoyed, <laughs> but he would have also been amazed. Yeah, it's it, he like just barely missed the first movie, so it's a shame. Mm. It would have been neat if he could have seen the nineteen if he lived long enough to see the nineteen oh three version of Alice. Mm. Mm-hmm. He would have lost his mind. <laughs> If he would live during the film's days, he'd be all over film because he loves photography and stories. So that's like both in one. Right. But anyway, I'm rambling. Um, so I think he would have been okay with these changes. I think it's in the spirit of the books. I think it's way more important to engage the audience rather ju- than just making book fans happy. And I'm sorry if book fans hate me. 
I do love the book. You're not listening to them anymore, Jenna. Walk away. <laughs> yeah. You're going to enjoy Alice how you want to enjoy Alice, and if they want to join you, well, maybe they can. But. Yeah, true. I, I guess because of that, I'm also more appreciative of like how other people enjoy enjoy Alice, and there are some people who don't like this person, and they're valid too. It's not perfect. Maybe. <laughs> maybe they're wrong, but they're valid. Like it's okay to have some. I like. I don't think it's a perfect version either, but it's one of the best versions that you're gonna find. Yeah. I will like a lot of people will say it. It lost its pretty, you know, the English flavor of the original story. Fair Wait, enough. Okay. Yeah. Here's the thing. After just watching the '85 version, that felt so American, even though they had more than one <laughs> British person on it. And I don't get that same feeling of "Wow, this yeah. is so American." Watching this one, it probably yeah. helps that Alice has an accent, but no, I I don't have that same feeling that I did with the '85 one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm. I guess that's yeah, that's not my complaint. So. <laughs> Yeah, I th- I think the original review is re- too harsh on this movie, and I oh wait are we uh, do we still want to say anything about the trial scene? Uh, well, I guess we could wrap it up with it. It doesn't end with her having the cards fly up at her. It she's being chased. I do like the card chase. Yeah, they kind of do like a flashback through all the different scenes. Like she's racing through the hedge maze, the caucus race, pool of tears, which is. I think it's tea in the end part. I like the joining in the cup of tea. I like that part. One of the things that I appreciate about this scene is that it really does play into what a dream is like. If you're being chased, how she's struggling to get away, mm-hmm. trying to get back to herself. And doesn't it does it slow down a little bit for her? I think so. The way... Like when she's trying to get to the door, I think. Like if you were genuinely struggling in a dream. So it's creative and kind of nice how they thought that through and included that. It wouldn't be mm-hmm. fun to live it. But yeah, kudos to them. And I think it makes a better visual climax with just the cards flying up at her, to be honest. And I appreciate the fact that they are pointing to this being a dream because that hasn't always happened in adaptations. And Mm -hmm. I think it's good to look at this story as a dream. Mm. But yeah. And I I, I do think the rest of the movie hasn't like pointed at it being a dream as much. And which in a way is kind of a dream self in in itself, right? Like when you're dreaming, you don't think about how you're having a dream. It's only when things Mm -hmm. get like really messed up, you're like, wait, I'm dreaming. (laughs) <laughs> which is essentially what's happening here mm-hmm. so yeah applause to them for that it's a good climax i think um and i like it it's a good adaptation sure i give it an a minus <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> I, I still have i still have adaptations of alice i like more than this one yeah like i like 72 I like the Royal Ballet, so it's not like my favorite favorite one, but I think it's it's pretty good. Yeah, I'm the same way. I have I have ones that I like more than this one, but this one is definitely way up there. And it it is a special place in my heart. It started it for me, so it's um, if it wasn't for this one, I don't know if I I don't know if I would have tried Alice. Does anyone have any final thoughts on Alice as a whole? Alice as a whole. Does anyone have any final thoughts on this version of Alice? 
<laughs> yeah, it's like Alice as a whole, that's a big topic. Um, uh, this version was more fun than I remembered. That is another, that is something I want to say. Uh, I really enjoyed rewatching this. Um, mm-hmm. If you get tired of this version, take a break. Come back to it with new eyes. Um, and I think yeah, yeah, yeah I we think can recommend a more. few for them to to watch so that they can really come back with fresh eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that really helped us yeah. having just watched the '85 version and having to slog through that, and then okay. coming to this one is just a breath of fresh air. I think I do think people are too used to this version, so they don't realize how mm-hmm. good it is. Yeah, sure, that, sure. go watch some some of the crappy versions. Come back, be like. <laughs> Yeah, this wow, is good. This, they really put their, themselves into this. Yes. Yeah. And even though the animators were basically didn't have a leader, Walt was checked out. They did a good job, I think. And it's influ- it's influenced on later Alice adaptations. I think it's had a good influence, uh, personally. Mm-hmm. So I, on Alice lovers. Yeah. I, again, purists will be like, nah, no, it didn't. <laughs> But the fun Alice lovers like this one. The fact that it can introduce it to more generations instead of just dying back in the 1800s or the 1930s or whenever, pick a time period. The fact that it has continued on, probably a lot of that has to do with Disney. Disney. Mm -hmm. Like how many books wouldn't have been sold if kids hadn't seen Mm -hmm. this version Definitely. How many people would know about it or care about it if it wasn't for Disney? I can't answer the question, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's had way more influence than we even realized. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and like I do believe eventually someone would have continued making an Alice until there was like a big one. But the way the world is right now, this is the way most people are introduced to the story. Let's be glad that it's a fun way to be introduced to the story. It's, you know. Mm-hmm. Instead of being bogged down and trying to be faithful to a text source, which is different, you know, from yeah, watching it, it's reading is different than watching. Yeah, and the and obviously the book is is good, but it's if good. you're a child, if you're a child in this day and age, you're not gonna know your old Father William and all that stuff. It's it's going it, to be it, very it, confusing. Well, that and while you're reading the book, you take breaks. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Movie you're supposed to watch in one go. Maybe take a break yeah, in the middle. To give you a basic introduction to the creativity, the wackiness, and different characters so that you actually have that interest. So, yeah. I think they did a good job in uh, making it engaging, and it continues to engage people, and it continues to be timeless. Definitely. Well, thank you for all of your expertise. I figured I've been doing this long enough that I, would, I needed to be in on the Disney one. But, <laughs> but yeah, you have brought a huge amount of information. You know, it's well, like... Well, thank you for listening. I love talking about production history the most. Yeah, it's super interesting. I, I maybe now have to go home and Google the Japanese merch and... Please. Revisit, revisit Mary Blair because... Oh, never yeah. enough Mary fan. Blair. You can never have enough Mary Blair in your life. The Mary Blair merch. Mm, it's beautiful. Oh. <laughs> Spend all your money. The 70th line was very inspired by the Mary Blair concept art. Where do I find Mary Blair merch? Or do I just Google Mary Blair? Oh, you can just Google Mary Blair, I think. Okay. Well, I guess that probably is a good place to end for this one. Yes. Do you want to let people know where they can find you if they want more from you? You can find me on my YouTube channel, Phantom Wise, even though I never update it. 
and um, probably just find me around YouTube. I'm, I'm randomly on a bunch of videos, and I, I do search Alice things. You had a blog, right? I had a blog. I don't update it anymore, but it's uh, still but hyphen if people wanted to hyphen me hyphen phantomwise.tumblr.com. Okay. Do you have anything to promote, Sarah? <laughs> uh, I suppose what I did just two days ago is um, I'm a watercolor and pen and ink artist, and you can find oh. my art on Redbubble and on Society6 under the name of Turnip Wilson. Okay, well, I guess that's going to be all for this episode. Until next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Every Version Ever. If you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform or to the Every Version Ever YouTube channel. Make sure to follow my co-hosts as well. Any relevant links will be in the description for easy access. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Come along and pass through the looking glass into Wonderland.